Um, so thank you, Scott and Adam, uh, for the intro. We are very glad to be here, and we are joined this time with Dan Lovinger, who is our EVP Ad Sales and Partnerships for the NBC Sports Group, and Keith Wachtel, who is EVP Chief Business Officer at the NHL. We hope to have a really fun discussion about what is happening with sports in general, because that obviously has been a lot of the conversations that have been happening to date since the the scheduling of all the other sports that have happened since uh, the, the pandemic has really hit us within the U.S., and basically plans moving forward so that we can talk to our marketers as well as agency partners about how we want to address the landscape. And uh, knowing that there's been a lot of things shifting and canceling, it is a critical component to how we figure planning for the future when relief and recovery will be front and center as part of our overall plans. So welcome to Floor 9, guys. We're so glad you can join us. Great to be here. Happy to be here, John. Great. Well, you know, before we get into the more lighthearted elements of the conversation, let's start off here. Um, can you share with us like how your organizations have responded to the recent pandemic? I know we read a lot about players and, and celebrities doing things on their own, but how have you guys from your respective companies gotten involved on a local and national level in terms of relief and recovery and support? I'll let the elder state now we'll let the elder statesman go first. Sure. Happy to. So NBCU and we're owned by Comcast, it really starts at the top. And if you look at some of the things that Brian Roberts himself has done, he and his wife making personal donations of $5 million for students to enable them to get the laptops they need to do remote learning, to some of the things he's done through the corporation, providing hundreds of millions of dollars of relief opportunities and money for people to take care of their normal day-to-day needs. Um, Comcast has really stood behind their employees and stood behind their partners in a way that I think is unparalleled in the industry. And, you know, I think at NBCU, we've all been adjusting to this new normal that is here for a little while anyway, work from home, uh, particularly in a sales organization where I can speak, you know, with a fair degree of depth, has been um, a really unique and interesting experience. Um, we've realized that we're actually quite capable and probably even communicating more frequently through video conferencing than perhaps we were in the past. Clearly, we want to get back in in the office and we want to be able to talk to people face-to-face and certainly hit the road and spend time with our clients um, and our agency partners. But um, we've been quite capable and carrying on business as usual. So at the NHL, we've always taken corporate social responsibility very seriously and also feel that it's an important part of the process for corporations like Comcast, NBC, the NHL, and all sports properties to help get communities and uh, the country back. So whether it's our owners and our teams, from the commissioner to the league office, um, we're doing a lot of different initiatives at all different levels. From a league standpoint, we're supporting the CDC's initiative on raising awareness and funds through um, crowdsourcing uh, to generate revenue for um, COVID-19. Um, most of our clubs are getting involved with local businesses. Obviously, they're the touch point to the local market, uh, especially as it relates to the healthcare um, industry, where you're seeing a lot of work our clubs doing with uh, their partners in that area to make sure that they have meals and all the the things that you know we take for granted that our healthcare workers are working around the clock to make sure that. Um, they are doing everything they can uh, to help uh, society. 
and our players, right? I mean, I think our players um, are the best as it relates to um, being relatable to many of our fans. Um, they're spending lots of time on social media, creating videos and other things to get the word out uh, to make sure, especially in the time of, of social distancing and um, the need to make sure that everyone's being responsible. I think those messages go a long way and, and everybody uh, within the hockey community has been great about making sure that they do their part to hopefully uh, get this done with and over as quickly as possible. It's amazing. And uh, it's been actually inspiring to see all the corporate attention to this and, and uh, working with the Ed Council and the ANA and the 4As and then the UM has done uh, work with them as well. But to see everybody kind of mass their time and energy as well as funds to do the greater good has been quite inspirational. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. You know what um, else, John, I think is pretty cool when you think about and you mentioned some of the work the ANA is doing and a lot of the agencies. I mean, we've seen a complete pivot in creative work from our clients that are choosing to stay on the air. And some of the messaging has been really, really inspiring um, across the board and remarkable how creative and how quick that people can be with their changes. Absolutely. All right. Now I'm going to ask you to break out the Magic 8 Balls. You got your Magic 8 Balls? Because I'm going to ask you the question that everybody wants to know. When hmm. is sports coming back? So I can, I can start and... Keith can maybe be a league authority on, on at least one league. Sports sports has already announced in some places that it is coming back. We heard from uh, the governing bodies of golf just this week that the majors, um, with the exception of the Open Championship, are coming back and in large part being rescheduled. Uh, we heard yesterday from the PGA Tour that there'll be some regular tournaments played um, just prior to the FedEx Cup. So I can tell you that there's plans to play golf in June, as early as June. The, um, the, the majors, most people are already aware, um, have been rescheduled. So the U.S. Open has moved to September 14th, the week of September 14th. So Sunday the 20th would be the final round. We've seen the Masters move to mid-November. The PGA Championship has moved to August 3rd. Um, so there's a lot to be thankful for. Golf is coming back. And I'll defer to Keith on some of the, the four major stick and ball and, and puck leagues. What, what I think is amazing is just the unprecedented nature, unprecedented nature of not knowing right now what, where, when, how, why. Because at least for the month of April, everyone is still going to be quarantined for the most part. The CDC has said that we need a, a good another you know three to four weeks before they reevaluate. So while we're all planning for various contingencies, it's that unknown right now that really makes it difficult. So I think we'll know a lot more in early May as to what the timelines could be because a lot will change from now until then. What I can tell you, at least from the NHL and conversations that we've had with the other major professional sports leagues, we all want to start play, um, but we wanna do it in a safe environment. The other hard part is, at least for now, everything is being done on a state-by-state -state regulatory situation. So uh, while you might want to come back, how are you going to come back? Where are you going to come back? And you're going to come back with or without fans. Uh, I will say that it is every intention of our commissioner to award the Stanley Cup this year. We have uh, the ability to play through, through the summer. Interestingly enough, as our, our broadcast partner, NBC, 
when they had the Olympics, we were going to have to be off the air by July 23rd because of the three-week window of the Olympics. Now with the Olympics postponed, it now opens up that window for us to play, quite frankly, through the summer, which is interesting. Unfortunately, the, the loss of the Olympics might actually help our ability to award that Stanley Cup. So we are doing everything we can to look at all different scenarios, uh, making sure that our buildings are holding dates, looking at unique locations um, where perhaps COVID-19 is not as prevalent and bringing a bunch of teams to uh, a few different markets. Unfortunately for us, it's not as easy given uh, the availability of, of NHL caliber rinks uh, whereas you can put a basketball court in a lot of different places in a hotel and things like that, we're a little bit more limited in, in where we can play. But our hope is that we will play. We think it's important. Um, we can certainly change our schedule for next season to accommodate a little bit of this season. But I will tell you one thing, uh, whatever we do, and this is you know straight from Gary and our owners, we will not jeopardize next season. Uh, if unfortunately we can't finish out this season, we need to make sure that we keep the integrity of a full season next year. And look, sports will be back, right, for everyone. It's just a matter of when. Um, and everyone has their own little uh, intricacies that they have to deal with. Um, but I do expect that we will be playing uh, and it will be sometime uh, over the summer and it'll look very different and uh, will be very exciting when it does come back. And Keith, you see this, obviously, with the, the timetable in the most optimistic side, that would be without fans. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing that has shown at this point that um, would, would make you believe that, um, A, um, jurisdictions will allow mass gatherings of that number, but two, that fans would necessarily have an interest in coming back that quickly, right? So from that standpoint, um, we're keeping our options open. I think the most important thing is to play the game and keep the integrity of the game uh, and the season. And there are, look, there are pros and cons. Obviously, we want to play in front of fans. The players want to play in front of fans. But if there are no fans and everyone is still in, in some respects, in some sort of isolation, we believe that uh, sports is going to be so powerful that television ratings could be unprecedented for everybody. And it'll be interesting to see what happens with the, uh, with the NFL draft on ESPN in the, in the coming weeks. It's uh, great. And then do you tend to speak to other leagues as well in terms of their discussions? Cause I know you share similar timing and probably objectives with like the NBA. Is that something you do in terms of through the arenas you talk directly? Is there anything yeah. there you can share? Sure. So, you know, I'll talk to my counterparts of the other leagues just to talk about best practices. How, how are you handling partners? What are you hearing? Because a lot of us share the same partners and, and certainly we're all very competitive in some degree. But uh, these are, again, unprecedented times. Um, our scheduling folks work directly with the NBA and the venues on a regular basis, because as you did say, uh, we share numerous buildings um, and we do play at the same time. So we're going to have to make sure that normally there would be availability if you know the Knicks and the Rangers were in the playoffs, um, I know you know who knows stranger things can happen now, right? But if they were in the playoffs, we'd have to make sure that uh, the the dates were reserved accordingly for for both. So we do spend time. I mean, a lot of that is done at Gary's level. He's had several conversations um, with Adam Silver, Rob Manford, etc., uh, and the broadcasting teams, the scheduling, um, and and you know it's a it's a small industry, so everyone everyone talks. And I think right now. 
it's one of those things we're all we're all gathering together for the greater good uh, as opposed to looking at ourselves as competitors. Great. And then, Dan, you obviously have all this time that was scheduled um, and we've seen some of it for those of us who like to watch three airs and the, and the sports news. Um, what is it? What are the plans and how do you manage all that time to fill it with content that is relevant to fans as well as the sports enthusiasts in general? Sure. So um, what we've tried to do is actually stunt weeks. Um, we started with Hockey Week in America, um, where we created uh, a week of what I would call the top games um, from Stanley Cup playoff history. And we were able to actually work with advertisers and bring them in on that. Um, obviously, we worked with the league's partners first. Um, from there, we moved to Football Week in America, where we had uh, Monday through uh, Saturday, we ran two games back to back and they're truncated. So you don't have to watch the timeouts. And, um, again, we chose, uh, from our Sunday night football historical games. Uh, the first game we did was the, uh, the, the Peyton versus Eli, uh, 2006 matchup, which was a lot of fun. And every Sunday night we would have a feature game there. So that'll continue for four weeks, the Sunday night games, uh, we'll move on to, uh, racing week in America, similar kind of a format. And of course, um, you can't do anything without the Olympics. And we'll be putting Olympic weeks together where we'll have Olympic highlights. So we try and keep the fans engaged with the things they love. Um, we're also uh, getting ready to relaunch um, Golf Central um, and Morning Drive with half hour shows first. They'll be remotely produced. And so, you know, with all of the golf announcements that have come in the past week, uh, there's a ton to talk about in the golf world in terms of, you know, what's this going to do to player preparation? You know, who are some of the favorites um, based on the condensed scheduling of the majors, things like that. And then Mike Tirico has um, recently launched a lunchtime uh, show from his home where he, um, through video conferencing, brings in great guests like Commissioner Bettman and others um, just to talk about what's going on. So it's a little bit of everything, but we're certainly blessed with a um, really deep library of some of the greatest sporting moments in history. And we're just uh, reacquainting some people with those moments. It's original content if they've never seen it before. Uh, the dog has something to say. He loves uh, that comment. Yeah. <laughs> He's a big fan. Big fan of, of Rieres of uh, classic sports. <laughs> That's great. Um, so we've also seen other leagues take on different versions of their sports through the esports type lens. We saw the uh, Fox take on the NASCAR with the iRacing, which was pretty cool. Um, things that I think a lot of consumers haven't even known about. In fact, the first uh, race they had, about 20% of their audience wasn't even, I've never seen a NASCAR race. So I think that incremental unique audience is there and willing to do it. Um, and ESPN doing it with the NBA 2K and then with the players playing themselves. Um, is there more of that type of content that you guys are thinking of in the esports world, either NHL or otherwise? Yeah, I mean, I, I will say this, nothing can replace live sports, right? So right now, Without it, uh, we're all looking for ways to entertain the viewer, um, keep people watching and tuned in. So I certainly think for for right now, it's great. It's also building an awareness, to your point, John. Um, some people might have never watched a NASCAR race or have been into some sort of virtual uh, sports simulation, and now they are. 
you know, the interesting thing about NASCAR um, is those simulators are actually in the driver's homes, right? I mean, it's a very different aspect uh, when it's an individual sport than a team sport, right? So when you look at what NASCAR is on, it lends itself perfectly. These guys have it. They train in there, and it simulated a, a real race. Uh, what we did, uh, which was pretty successful, uh, actually did a decent rating, was NBC um, – Washington did a simulation of a capital St. Louis Blues game that was on the schedule. It was a one-hour show. They had the hosts that normally host the uh, the broadcast for the Capitals, uh, and they aired it. Uh, and it was a one-hour game. Uh, Backstrom got a hat trick. They added elements with pregame and postgame interviews, and it it was nice. It was fun. People enjoyed it. It was an hour. Uh, most of the comments were positive. A lot of the people liked the fact that. They had the announcers who announced it as it was as if it was a real game. And it was great to hear their voice. Right. People were nostalgic ab about the fact that they were able to tune in again and watch something. And like I said, it, it did a point three rating, uh, which was pretty good for a uh, for a you know Tuesday game um, that was, again, a simulation game. I think a lot, um, you know, the NBA has done their 2K competition that's going on now. We're going to hopefully launch in the next few weeks. Uh, on NBC in the U.S. and Rogers in Canada, a similar tournament with players. I think it's 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 good for television, but it's better for social media uh, and just to keep the conversations going. So I think it's going to continue to evolve. I think it's a great opportunity for us to engage our fans and keep people reminding of how much fun this can be. Uh, but like I said, I you know this is certainly not a replacement for live sports, but it it. It is a need right now, and hopefully will continue to be more additive uh, when we get back to play. Uh, clearly, there's been uh, desire by fans to find content wherever they can. And then, to your point, I do think the the unique audience, particularly with children in the home, with less and less to do, have been embracing it as well. How have you been working with your players like, is there a blueprint by which you ask them to engage with fans or do they do that on their own? Well, I, I think it's both. Uh, what's been interesting is by nature, NHL players um, are a little more insular than that of the other sports. Right. So their social media following is not nearly as large as, as say, uh, players from the NBA uh, and the NFL. And by nature, it's such an intrinsic team sport and they never like to put themselves above another now, with the league getting so young, we have more and more savvy media, social veterans that have been grown up with it, right, at this point versus um, some of the perhaps elder statesmen of the game. So we're getting more and more of that. Um, so a lot of it is organic. But, you know, a lot of times you do have to um, help them through it. I am so impressed with what our production uh, staff is doing in our social media group. They're working nonstop. We've basically created this platform called uh, Hockey at Home, which is the overarching umbrella for all of our content. And it's uh, a mix of everything. We're doing Zoom conference calls on a weekly basis with players uh, where we're getting some really great content. These guys just chatting with each other. Um, you get some really fun stuff happening while that's going on, considering they're all in their homes, whether it's their animals, their kids running around things like that. We're actually uh, going to have this evening a uh, first time this has ever been done before, but it's you know out of necessity, is getting the Stanley Cup St. Louis Blues all together on a conference call. 
Um, first time, you know, a team's been together in any sort of fashion, just talking about what it was like and what they're doing now. And obviously their desire to, to compete for uh, the Stanley Cup again. Uh, P.K. Subban, who's a great personality, uh, is doing a trivia show for us uh, with fans and other players. So it's been great. It's a lot of work. Uh, production resources obviously aren't as readily available as they normally would be. Um, but it is an opportunity, again, like we talked about esports, for our players to get out there in ways that they've never done before. And maybe coming out of this, they'll be a lot more recognizable than they were prior to this start. Um, I love that. And I will make a point of uh, making a note to Zoom hack that call. Um, which, which, yeah. Go ahead, Dan. Oh, yeah, I was just, just going to add, uh, you know, one of the things we've seen with um, our Olympians, um, and we were um, offered some footage from our friends at the USOPC, we're seeing how they're uh, creating home remedies for training. And um, some of it's really, really um, funny. Some of it's really, really endearing. And uh, Jenny Storms, our uh, CMO at NBC Sports, has um, been able to use that footage to pivot and turn it into uh, promotions on NBC, on NBC Sports Network. Um, some really, really fun stuff. One, uh, one of our uh, Olympians who uh, is a swimmer, um, she got into a little one of those round blow-up inflatable pools in her backyard and literally swam all four legs of the IM doing the turns. And then we put Rowdy Gaines and Dan Hicks on a call for it all and turned it into, you know, some really cool social content that we pushed out. So we're, you know, we're, we're making do with what we've got. And some of it's really great. We had another uh, female Olympian who's a rock climber record herself literally climbing her own fireplace in her home and pulling herself up the stairs and then getting to the top of her her, her landing and essentially doing the Rocky, um, you know, pose. So really good stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, which brings me to like times like this, when you see in crisis, it bears the fruit of innovation. So have there beyond the content opportunities that are being developed by these individuals and athletes, are there things that you guys are talking about that you're experimenting with that you normally would not have done that you're thinking this might be a good environment for us to, try VR in a unique way or leverage a certain platform or otherwise within, you know, Dan, I'll start with you within yeah. the work that you're doing. And then Keith will go to you in terms of the NHL. Yeah. I think um, one of the biggest things that's going to come out of um, this pandemic, um, and you said it, I think, you know, necessity is the mother of invention across the entire NBCU portfolio, including sports, you're seeing uh, commercial innovation and the change in commercial break lengths and overall commercialization uh, changed. And, you know, I think viewers are certainly um, deserving of a better viewing environment, whether it be in primetime entertainment or in sports programming. Obviously, with sports, there are uh, required breaks in the action. You know, you can't avoid. But I think it's going to give us all the opportunity once this is said and done to step back, take a look at some of the things we did um, to change formats and move forward in a better way. As far as technology goes, you know, I mentioned that um, Morning Drive um, and and Golf Central are being produced as half-hour shows, potentially growing to an hour shortly or soon. And we're seeing it all over the place. Remote edit, editing and production 
is remarkable what these folks can do um, from their own homes, from their own you know locations. And you're going to see more and more of the technology being used, I think, to bring in more remote um, types of views. I think a lot of fans like what they're seeing. They're seeing they're you know they're getting into Keith Wachtel's home through video conferencing. And we don't want saying, that, Dan. We don't want that. <laughs> but they're saying, you know what? Those people are pretty pretty cool. You know, we're seeing Mike Tarico's study with his you know little mini Syracuse helmet over his shoulder, which tells us, oh yeah, Mike's a Syracuse guy. I think all of that is going to play out um, in um, the way we bring stories to viewers going forward. Yeah, yeah I, I think, you know, we, we've seen uh, a lot of what Dan was just talking about, you know, the, the communication between the NHL clubs, teams, players is all something that um, has is very unique. And we're, we're starting to see that, you know, there are other ways to communicate and be effective. And I think we've probably been more effective, as Dan said earlier, in communicating with the organization than we ever have before. And certainly allows for fans to interact with the game and the sport in a different way through these simulation games with EA Sports and, and, and the like that we were talking about. You know, the one negative for us, we were we were excited about what we've been pursuing with puck and player tracking for the last really two to three years that was going to launch at this year's playoffs, uh, which was going to bring the fans much closer to the game. Unfortunately, because of this, we're unable to get into the arenas to put the technology we need in there. So we're not going to be able to do it. So that's one of the negatives of it. Um, but other initiatives that we have been pursuing and working on does give us a little bit more time now to prepare them and, and start to have in-depth conversations that we might not have. Uh, as of today was the first day of the Stanley Cup playoffs, which is unfortunate because, as you know, there's nothing better than that that first round of NHL playoffs and tonight. Uh, would have been the start of it. But it now gives us an opportunity to to look at other technology initiatives that we have and maybe bring them to the forefront. And it's also important to make sure that that everyone knows that we're not standing still, right? That this is not a time while the game is paused, everything that we're doing and we're trying to accomplish isn't paused. And we look at the future and this is going to drive us even harder. And so that brings me to the next question, which is you obviously have a list of league partners that you've been working with for some time, maybe new or otherwise. Like, how have you been talking to them? How have you been managing them um, in a way that lets them feel like what they're doing this season will continue to fulfill itself as well as for the future? Does that change the way that you negotiate the future? Is there anything within that you can share with us? I think the most important thing during these times, and, and we've had some work stoppages in the past, so uh, this is this, this pause in the season, if you will, is nothing new, is communication, over-communication. Clients want to know what's going on. They want to feel like they're in the know before someone else mm -hmm. might be. So we are doing everything we can to communicate with all of our business partners in the various areas as often as possible. And obviously, it changes uh, day to day. And when you have something of importance, I think what's key is is sharing that information with them before the public knows. And and we pride ourselves on that <clears throat> and making sure, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, the commissioner um, allows us to have those conversations um, with our partners before it's going to get out into the media. Whether that's you know changing dates or canceling events like the award show. Uh, postponing the draft and things like that. So that, that's that been very important, and that happens on a regular basis. And, you know, it's also communicating on a regular basis with NBC. 
and our other broadcast partners. And also making sure that Dan and I are aligned as it relates to the commitments that our partners have to media uh, and making sure that we are talking from the same page. So I think communication, number one, is key. The conversation with them is um, let us do whatever we can to help you. Um, we're here to listen. Uh, we will be uh, creative. Uh, we will be sympathetic. We understand that their businesses are struggling as well. Um, but the number one thing we want to do is get back to hockey. And if we can get back to hockey, then the season, for all intents and purposes, for our partners, um, will stay intact. How they market and things like that is is really up to them. And I know a lot of marketers are gun shy, but I, I will say one thing. Dan mentioned it before. The first time I really noticed it, I don't know if you saw, there's an Oreo commercial right now that's out there uh, where they are basically talking about staying safe and staying at home. And they created a commercial with TikTok videos and all these other things that our people are doing to stay home and stay safe. And it's a great example of a company that, that turned quickly. And instead of going dark, which is what a lot of companies do and everyone has their own reasons, um, someone who's, who's not taking advantage of the situation, but I think helping the situation. And we're going to do whatever we can to help. I know NBC will do the same and, and all broadcasters for all their sports properties. Most important thing we do is get back on air. Um, next year, we expect everything to be the same. Now, activations might be different. Partners timing might be different. And we'll work with them as best we can to make sure that they accomplish their objectives. Uh, but we don't believe that there will be any uh, long-term effects from a partnership standpoint. And in fact, these are times where we think our, our, we could foster better relationships because we're having real conversations with partners uh, that don't involve renewals and negotiations and money. We're just doing the best that we can to help everyone uh, succeed and, and, and be prosperous in the future. I would say that last point that Keith makes has been key for us as well. You know, we are, I agree with you, Keith, the, the, the number one thing you can do is communicate. And, um, you know, I think there was a ton of um, anxiety prior to the IOC making their announcement that the Olympics for 2020 would be uh, postponed to the summer of 21. We had clients you know, the month leading up to that um, every day on the phone and we're, you know, giving them the most information we can knowing um, what we know through our conversations with the IOC, <clears throat> but keeping, you know, close to them. And then I think what also is key is once you have the information, being able to do the best you can to act concisely and swiftly. So, in the case of the Olympics, we were able to um, get to the marketplace with um, our response to the postponement and giving advertisers what we thought were four well-thought-out options in terms of how they might want to deal with the postponement within two days of, of that announcement from uh, Thomas Bach at the IOC. And then, you know, I think the other thing is, you know, as NBCU deals with so many advertisers, we're seeing um, the effects of this pandemic on every industry. Some of them um, actually positive, but a lot of them quite, you know, debilitating and having the ability to work with people in um, as human a way as possible, but also um, helping them understand that there are options, frankly, to going um, dark um, and giving them the information based on a lot of the research that we've seen and done. And I'm sure your agency has as well um, that 
times like these are actually opportunities for leaders to lead if they can. Not everybody can, um, and that's certainly understandable. There are certain industries that, quite frankly, just have to sit it out because their businesses are shuttered. But those that can um, actually benefit um, from the leadership uh, positions they take right now. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. That that first of all, the communication, not only working with folks like you as well as with our clients, and being able to let them know what is happening. Um, obviously, they have concerns in their in their own right, and being able to work towards a solution that may not always be in the best interest from a business standpoint, but is in the best interest of working with that partner to come to a conclusion. We've seen will resonate in the future more than this moment in time. And I think building those relationships, the trust and the leadership that I think that you guys are talking to um, has been the thing that has been most critical, but also most inspiring. And in many cases, our companies, as well as our clients, are taking leadership positions in, with consumers um, that is above and beyond that we've seen some certain government. So it's been an amazing thing to watch and witness, um, and I hope that continues. Um, so the one thing I want to uh, talk more about is when you talk about all the things that you guys are trying to build and think about and do and the partners that you work with, what role do marketers have in those? Are there ideas that they are bringing to you that they're looking to develop with you? Are there things that you are thinking about that you'd like to talk to them? We have an opportunity now to kind of talk to a bunch of clients. Um, and I think everyone is kind of getting through the phase of what am I doing today to how do I look at recovery? What does the business look like in the future? How do consumers think differently and consume differently? Um, and how do I be there for them. And to keep to your point, I think that message has been incredibly inspirational and relevant from, from them talking about the notion of what is it that people want to be knowing about and hearing about to enable them to leverage their brands or use their brands to help them survive almost in this current situation. So are there things that we can talk about with clients now that you think that would be interesting or relevant to share? Well, you know, it's, what's interesting is, you know, when you talk about sports, everyone's passionate and everyone has, has uh, an opinion, right? So one of the things that we, we encourage, and it's great because it comes from leadership, is the commissioner encourages our partners to reach out all the time. Um, sometimes he wishes that he, he didn't do that, but they, they, they call him on, on a regular basis and even now um, so that they can feel good that they know straight from the top what's happening. What we're doing, which uh, I think is unique, is we actually send out, uh, we'll be sending out this week a survey to our partners. Very quick, very basic, but they all seem to have a little bit of time on their hands now to think about um, questions about our partnership, right? What would, they, what would they like to see different? What would they like to see um, that we can work on? Uh, what's working, what's not working? Um, are they pleased with our reaction to the crisis? And then some fun questions. What would you do if you were commissioner for the day? Uh, but also in, in the situation now, which I know we'll, we'll talk about, is you know if we come back this season, what is that going to look like? Because we haven't finished the regular season. Um, what's the playoffs going to look like? Where are you going to play it? How are you going to play it? Uh, so it does provide an interesting opportunity to come up with some new and creative opportunities on what that format will look like. And we're going to allow our partners the opportunity to share what they think that could look like. And, you know, maybe we'll take it, maybe we won't. We have a lot of smart partners, a lot of people that love the sport. And uh, what, what that will do is make them feel, again, like they're part of the solution 
And you never know. We might some we have some great marketers. We might get some great ideas that we haven't thought of. So I think if you bring them into the fold a little bit, uh, I think that we're going to be able to do some really interesting things. I would I would um, echo a lot of what Keith says. I would also say that you know what we've seen is that the messaging matters, and it's going to continue to matter. Um, I'm not Nostradamus, but I can tell you that people will have a long memory of this pandemic. And um, so I think brands that continue to think in terms of um, pro-social and human messaging while also taking care of their business needs will continue to benefit. We've seen that co-creation of content um, can be really, really um well done and inspiring and that, um, you know, we have that capability at NBCU to help our partners do that um, and do it quickly. Uh, we also see that I think in these times we've proven um, as an industry that we can be a hell of a lot quicker with our decision making and that everything isn't necessarily going to be precedent setting. I think particularly in the buying and selling world, we're also concerned with precedents and what you know, one deal is going to mean for the future of other deals. I think we've proven that um, sometimes you can you can take that hat off and just do deals and figure things out quickly for the benefit of everyone. And the last thing I will say is that while this delay has not been anything anybody would prefer to have, um, the, the positive is it gives us a chance to do things better into the future. So when I think again about the Olympics, um, you know, we were... Um, pretty well ready to stage what were going to be fantastic games in Tokyo 2020. We just get another year to, you know, turn the screws a little bit tighter on perfection. Um, somebody like Molly Solomon, who just came on a few months back as our head of um, Olympic production, gets this one-year opportunity to do things even better and different. So um, we're going to take advantage of the time we've been given. That's great. Thank you. Um, all right. So we're going to start wrapping up now, but, and this has been amazing. So thank you for your time, gentlemen. Um, so when we get down to it, the actionable recommendations that you guys would think about, like we have marketers who are obviously trying to figure out their path and their future. What could we do today to, implement, to help implement their business in a more positive way? You mentioned some of the things that you guys are doing. What message would you give to them as well as to their agency partners about what you think they should be doing differently or, or thinking about to prepare themselves for that future? Do you want to start, Dan? Um, I think, you know, a lot of what I, I answered on the prior answer is, is really the key is um, let them remember how inspiring that they can be with their messaging um, and let them remember <clears throat> how quickly they can pivot um, and how um, willing media partners are. Um, and I'll speak on behalf of the entire industry in leaning into changing um, the paradigm so that we can do things differently. We can do things um, in a different commercialization environment. We can create um, better content together that can travel, um, you know, all across the social landscape. Um, a lot of the things that we've all been trying to do, um, we've been forced to do now, and we're proving that it can work and it can work quickly. So that would be my message. And know that, um, you know, the character that, um, they're showing now will never be forgotten, at least by NBC. Um, we know how tough it is. We know that um, they're facing struggles that um, 
at least the three of us have never seen um, in our careers, and we've been at it for a while. And so um, it doesn't go unappreciated that um, they're moving past uncomfortable times into painful times and still sticking by a lot of the commitments they made because um, they know that, you know, they're real commitments that will benefit them in the future. Keith? It's hard to say it better than Dan did. He's such a client-friendly marketer. <laughs> but I, I would say that the most important thing that I would say uh, to brands is, is when, when we get out of this, because we will, don't, don't retreat. Use this as an opportunity, perhaps to message differently, work with your partners, in this case, um, the properties and the broadcasters. Everyone's suffering, you know, immeasurable losses um, for all businesses. We're all feeling it, and, and that's not going to change in the short term. But we will get by, and we'll get through this, and we'll come out stronger in the end. But don't retreat. Look at this as an opportunity um, to stay true to who your company's brand is, but continue because we think sports is the is is a great place uh, for marketers to get their messaging across, as well as to help the healing process, which we know is going to be important. So that would be my one thing: is let's look for ways to work together um, as opposed to you know retreating. Would that right. make the, the the head of healing, Keith? Yes, I am the chief healing officer. Okay. You've always known that's been my thing. Yeah. All right. So therapy appointment is now being taken by All Keith right. Wachtel. Um, and now for the most important question, and one that you will be judged on in perpetuity. <laughs> what type of board games are you playing at home? What is keeping you busy? And if not board games, what, what are you doing at home throughout this self-quarantine stage? And please keep it clean. Well, yeah, sure. Um, so I've got um, three out of my four sons home. Two of them are um, college grads. They work in Manhattan, so they're home with us. And my um, youngest is 16 years old. He's a sophomore in high school. It's only my third son who's still out of town in Nashville um, living in sin with his girlfriend um, until things get a little bit better. So, um, And my wife... Um, so the, the, the boys and I like to play a board game called Catan. And if you haven't played it, you should definitely check it out. It's kind of a mix between Risk and Monopoly. And it's really, really um, a great game to um, scream at your sons when they block your, your strategy and, and do crazy things. Um, we're also playing a lot of Scrabble, but I got to be honest, uh, I, it just frustrates me when they, they waste an S and they don't build a word, you know, down and across with that S. And I just, I throw my hands up and I say, I can't play with you guys. Um, they think I'm a Scrabble snob. Um, and then, you know, beyond that, we're actually cooking a lot. Um, doing a lot of um, family cooking, which is fun. Um, and trying to support local takeout, of course. But, um, you know, I, I live, people don't know this, I live probably two houses from Keith. So um, every. Yeah. So every uh, every day I try and walk the dogs um, past the Wachtell estate so that um, Lovey and Archie, my two dogs, can spend a little bit of time with Hank. Um, and um, and that's probably the highlight of their days. Uh, probably not mine, though. 
Yes, I, I, we're we're a sandwich away. It's probably about a nine iron though for John. <laughs> the the so my kids are a little younger. I have a nine year old, a seven year old, and an eighty two pound one year old golden retriever. So um, we're trying to find a little bit of different activities. The the one that seems to be working the best, and I highly recommend it for everyone, is Candyopoly. It's my version of Monopoly that you play with um, either Skittles. Um, marsh, you know, mini marshmallows. And instead of buying and selling houses, you're buying and selling the candy. So the kids are really enjoying that one. Uh, we are also have instituted movie night. So a few times a week, we, we buckle into what is generally a kid's movie, trying to see how far we can expand the boundaries of, <laughs> of you know, PG-13. But we're, we're catching up on some good old movies uh, and uh, just trying to do everything we can to keep busy. It's great when it's nice out because then we can spend a lot of our time outside. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, I think both Dan and my uh, country clubs are closed. Otherwise, you might find us sneaking off and social distancing on a nice afternoon if we can. But uh, hopefully that time will come sooner than later. Fantastic. Well, thank you both for your time and your uh, insight. I think this was great, including your uh, doggy playdates. Um, so with that, I will turn it over to uh, Scott and Adam. And thanks again. Thank you. Thank you, John.